All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Hammer Time 1987 podcast, podcast where all we do is win, and we are doing some more winning today. I'm joined by a very special guest. She is a wife, mom, boss, and all-around extraordinaire, Beth Clark. Beth, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. <laughs> all right, so we are going to discuss uh, about you today. We'll talk a little bit about your, uh, your business ownership, the pandemic, Toastmasters. But before we get to that, what we do on the show is play word association game. Okay. You a word or a question and you'll tell me your first couple thoughts. So are you All ready right. to play? Let's go. All right, Beth, what do you think of oatmeal cookies? Oh my goodness. Uh, I think most people might be deterred by them, but I actually really like them. But my preference is to pizzazz them a little bit. So I like my oatmeal cookies, maybe with raisins. I'm a huge fan of white chocolate. So maybe a little bit of those chips sprinkled in just to give it a little bit more flavor. But I may not be the healthiest eater. So getting oatmeal in a cookie form definitely seems like I'm heading in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, oatmeal cookies. A lot of the people that have been on the show have not been fans, but I'm a fan of oatmeal cookies. So I always ask, but... <laughs> There's no right. bad cookie, is there? <laughs> All right. How about your biggest celebrity crush? Oh my goodness. That's, that's a difficult one. Cause I feel like I go through a lot of different genres. Um, I, and it's probably very like off put, but I, for a long time, um, I was a huge fan of Edward Norton and uh, like a lot of his movies just really, were intriguing to me. So I think I developed a little bit of a crush on him just because his things were a little bit more obscure, a little bit more thought provoking. And I, I usually don't like to, to go mainstream. So, you know, when I, when I go down my paths, it's just a little bit more, um, off skew. So <laughs> not probably something most people would hear, but, uh, he's, he's definitely someone I enjoy watching in movies. All right. Fair enough. How about your biggest pet peeve? Oh my gosh. Um, I, I have a large appreciation for vocabulary. So misusing the English language is one of them. And most recently, the term irregardless got uh, added to the Merriam-Webster's dictionary, which really, really is, it's a huge pet peeve of mine. And now it's officially a term that people can use. So that, that's definitely a big one that irks me. <laughs> All right, I got to make sure I don't mispronounce any words then. So, uh, <laughs> mispronunciations are okay, but just irregardless was not a word up until this year, 2020, right? All right. And how about this? I, I think you mentioned this in our last uh, Toastmasters meeting. You have a sword collection? I do. Uh, it's It somehow started when I was in my younger 20s and I would um, collect swords and knives and interesting, it would be butterfly knives or things that almost looked like they were in a sarcophagus. I was very into like ancient Egyptian culture when I was younger. So um, I have a couple pieces that kind of look Egyptian, which is really cool. And then my prized possession is the samurai sword that my uh, grandfather had brought back from Japan when he was in World War II. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, you learn something <laughs> new every day. So <laughs> All right. So that is word association. Beth, let's get into this. Uh, back in March, February, we heard all about COVID, this pandemic. 
Um, when you first heard of this stuff, did you think it was just kind of a media blowover? Were you more concerned? What were your, sort of your initial thoughts when you heard about it? Oh my gosh, it, that already feels like centuries ago to, to think back to when this all started to begin. I think we take a lot for granted in our country. We have a great healthcare system. And while we've heard of, you know, we've dealt with pandemics. I think I was in college during SARS and, you know, it just, um, you know, we've gone through some things before. I feel like I've always been in a bit of a bubble. Uh, I haven't personally been affected by anyone in the past with pandemics and you know, they kind of seem like something that was, okay, this is happening, but not in a grand scale. So COVID definitely is a lot bigger than that. So at the beginning, I don't think I thought much of it, but I'm also a very pragmatic person. So I do, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. We closed the bridal shop before people mandated because we just knew that that was something we needed to keep our staff safe. We needed to keep our customers safe. And as hard as it was, closing was the best way to do that. I knew that um, when they told us that our kids were going to be in school that Friday for the last time um, for maybe a couple of weeks before Easter, I just knew they weren't going back. I tried to, you know, have almost a worst case scenario thought in my head so that I wasn't going to be as disappointed as a lot of people were hoping that we would get back to normal at X date, at X date, at X date. And it's, it's still difficult. You know, my daughter asked me yesterday, she's like, is the virus going to be over on, on Sunday? I'm like, oh, no, baby. I know. I, I wish it would, but it's not. She's like, okay, well, how about Monday? <laughs> you know, and we're homeschooling them this year. And, you know, and we have all intentions of sending them for first grade in actual school. But honestly, it's taking everything one step at a time. And then figuring out the next step because it's the only way to to survive without driving yourself crazy. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, your experience is what a lot of people are going through. And, and so the homeschooling, since I think that's such a dramatic change for everybody, how have you ha handled that? Is, is something that's been difficult, I imagine. It it has. I mean, you know, I think we were blessed that our kids are young. They're they're still extremely resilient. They're in kindergarten, so it as far as the school system is concerned, it is easier because we don't actually have to report. There's a lot less paperwork with kindergarten because it isn't a mandatory grade and we have the freedom to do a lot of what we want to do. We have a syllabus of what we're you know, going to go over, but we have a lot of freedom to do a lot of different things. I really heavily wanted to teach the kids Spanish. So I've been trying to do some things um, alongside, you know, numbers, colors, days of the week, months. So it's been kind of nice being able to be able to input certain things. They love math. I, you know, I was a math and science geek as a child, so I'm very proud of that. And so uh, we do math every day and that's probably a subject that may not have been pushed as much, but, um, and I'm not trying to, to push them. I just want to work around what's making them happy, but I have two children in the same grade with extremely different needs. So my daughter loves drawing and painting and art and writing. And my son hates all of that. So it's, you know, we'll try and do some things side by side. And it's, it's been a little, a little tough. He's definitely, you know, he's so smart. And he, when he applies himself to something that he likes, it's amazing to see what he can do. 
but when he dislikes it, it's like pulling teeth to do anything. So we try and break things down into very small increments and let him play in between. And, you know, our, our school day maybe consists of two hours of time together, but we try and space it out and do a lot of things informally, but it's, it's definitely been difficult. I have a much bigger appreciation for teachers. They all deserve huge raises and um, more than just a summer off this year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, now are you like disciplined in the sense that you got to get up at this certain time and this is when we start and this is when we end or is it? No, we, you know, with twins, we live and die by our, um, by our timelines. But honestly, for this, uh, we've just been trying to take it a lot more re relaxed we wake up whenever we wake up and I'm actually happy for the time change. I love waking up early, but I'm also, I wake up with the sun. So towards the end of October, it's like, I almost wasn't getting up till eight o'clock in the morning. And that kind of set my whole day off. Um, but now it's like, okay, the sun's coming up early again. So I wake up like six, seven o'clock. I feel like I'm actually getting things done before the kids get up. They wake up organically they sleep. I, you know, the only way we can survive twins is the fact that I have two really good sleepers. So they go to bed at like eight 30 and then they wake up at like seven 30, eight o'clock. And it's, it's beautiful. So, um, you know, and whenever they get up, we have breakfast, we do a lot of informal work during breakfast. So we'll talk about, you know, we'll do math problems. We'll do directions up versus down and, um, spelling, you know, what do you think that word starts with, you know, cereal, that's a tough one because C can be an S or like a K, you know, kind of thing. So we try, like I said, do a lot of informal stuff first and then we'll, we'll get them. We bought desks so that they could feel like they're actually doing something. It's like, okay, this is playtime. This is school time. And our dining room is basically a classroom now. So we have a huge world map and a calendar and just stuff all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And I bet your English classes are really hard. Oh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know I, I'm a little tough, but uh, both of my kids are also in speech therapy as twins. They've always, they didn't have their own language, but they always have understood each other, even if my husband and I couldn't. So their, their speech is a little slurred. We, they were having services for speech before the pandemic and um, with them being homeschooled, it's been a little bit more difficult to receive the services. So I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll actually, um, have a zoom call again and they'll actually get those again because as much as I love teaching my kids sometimes I just think they don't want to learn from me so much because I'm with them 24 7 they definitely did a lot better with their uh, previous teacher so I'm excited to have another person because we'll work on things and sometimes they'll just shut down um uh, for me but I know for a teacher they would try a little harder yeah yeah well, great. Thanks for giving us that insight. And I give you credit for being able to, to be a teacher and uh, doing the business thing. So good for you. Why don't we uh, get into that, though? You are the, the owner of the Bridal Chateau. You've been in the wedding business really since your beginning, right? Uh, this is kind of a family thing. Yes. So I actually, uh, my mom started regularly bringing me to work when I was four years old. And my job would be to pick up pins in the sewing room, sort fabric in the fabric bins, and just kind of do anything I could in the background. I started working on the sales floor when I was probably 12, 13 years old, oh. you know, family business. So I don't have to have working papers to yeah. <laughs> get used out of me. 
And, you know, that was a lot of fun, a little, you know, it was being so young, starting in the business. It's like, okay, I'm going to help you find a wedding gown. You know, I haven't gone on a first date yet, but you know, I'm, I'm here for you. I know what you're going through. So it, it was fun growing up in it and it really got into my blood. Um, but it was also difficult being young, being in a family business. I had a lot of trials and tribulations to go through because people just thought I was there because I was family and not because I was good at what I did. So I, I think I lied about my age, probably up until 28 at 28. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm finally old enough for people to, to take me seriously. So, um, while most people are usually taking years off their ages, I was always, adding a little bit more so that people would take me seriously. And also being in a family business, you know, I adopted to call my mom by her first name often. And, uh, you know, I had an aunt that worked there and my cousins would come in and out and they always had a huge problem with my, me calling my mom, Debbie. And, you know, I, I tried to explain it to them so many times, I'm like it, it has nothing to do with, with respect because I respect my mother so much. She is an amazing woman. I'm so grateful for her. Uh, but in, in that atmosphere, you know, I didn't want to go, mom, can you check this for me? You know, it just didn't, it's not something I wanted to come off and, you know, half the time we go to the mall, it's like, mom, everyone turns around. So I just be like, daddy, and my mom would turn around and be perfect. So, you know, it was, it was good though. My grandmother started it and my mom did the sewing room. She has the head seamstress for a long time. And I basically have done every single job in there. I mean, you know, I scrubbed toilets. I sew, I did the taxes, I did paperwork. I, you know, I worked my way up the ranks. I definitely, um, I feel like I earned my place in the business. So there, I was actually the least awarded nepotism. Like sometimes my other family members, they could come in late, they could do this, they could do that. And I was like, early. I, you know, in my twenties, I probably worked like 70 to 80 hours a day. And, you know, I just, I took it very seriously. Yeah. Wow. That's really, really interesting. Why don't we go into that just a bit deeper? Was there ever a time where you said, you know, I'm in this family business and maybe I like it, but I don't know if I want to do this. Maybe there's something else out there for, was there any doubt, uh, even from a young age that maybe this was for you or you did or didn't want to do this? I think in, and it took a while to get there. I think there was a time in my mid to late twenties when I started almost feeling underappreciated. My grandmother was the head of the bridal shop for a long time and she did not want to let anyone in. She was very stubborn, which I was stubborn too. So having two bullheaded people fighting with each other was sometimes difficult. You know, she was very old school, came from the depression era where, you know, I was younger and had new ideas and the internet started to be a thing. And now you have to have a website. Now you have to have email. And these were things that I understood and needed to do. And it was always convincing her that we needed to come up to speed and change things. And I, you know, I definitely take for granted these days. Um, You know, I feel like I can't do the same thing even week to week. You know, I'm constantly looking at ads on Facebook, what's working, what's not change this, change that. I mean, back then, you know, it's like, okay, we renewed our talking phone book, you know, yellow pages ad, you know, do we want to keep it the same or, oh, are are we going to change it this year? Um, You know, things moved a lot slower for a long time and then things sped up really fast. So 
I definitely take, you know, wish I had those days again, because it's so hard to keep up with things now. But there was a little time where it's like, okay, I feel like I've, I've done everything. I've reached my peak. And until my grandmother will let me in, I don't know, you know, what else I can do. So I had looked into almost just more schooling. I don't know that I would have left per se, but, you know, I was looking to maybe doing, I do have, um, a degree in like bridal consulting and background, but I was like, maybe I'll go for more fashion merchandising. Um, but you know, I would have had to drop from full time to go to school. And I ended up just kind of plug it in there and, and making it work. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have made it work and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for you. How about this? I'm of course, you know a heck of a lot more about uh, the bridal business than I do, but I hear all these bridezilla stories and these TV shows and people are freaking out and screaming at each other. Is there, is there truth to this? I mean, have you ever experienced bridezilla or mother I mean, what you see on TV is usually pretty fabricated or cut to, to look a certain way. Yes, people can get extremely upset over things. And a lot of the times it's just because things are hard and I can't take it personally because it usually has nothing to do with us. Um, you know, they maybe had a fight with their fiance that morning or difficulty with mom, you know, people are human and they get to certain levels. And I mean, I talk a lot on Toastmasters about, you know, power of positivity and, um, you know, how you have this like flight or fight response to things. And I think people just get to a certain level. So I work very hard at trying to learn how human brain reacts to certain things so that I can be of comfort to them and, and calm them down because yes, people can get upset and they can, you know, act irrationally, but for the most part, our, our brides are amazing. Um, they're just, you know, women need to be backing other women. Now, does that mean that everything goes smoothly? Of course not. I find it's almost harder, you know, maybe the momzilla or someone in the party. I, the most difficult part of my job is the relationships with people. Um, we'll talk to brides ahead of time. You know, we like to get to know them a little bit more before they come in. The bridal gown shopping experience is very emotional. Even the most pragmatic person can get emotionally driven during this. Wedding gowns are magic. You put them on and you see all these possibilities. You see walking down the aisle, you see this, you see that. So even trying to come in level-headed. So we try and get in, in their head and, and know who they are before they come in. And sometimes they'll tell us that, you know, they have a difficult relationship with their mom, but they really still want to bring her. They value her opinions. So it's like, okay, we know that they're probably going to butt heads during this. And we have to make sure that we mitigate it in the best way possible because we really want to keep our brides in a safe space. Um, you know, and especially these days, we have a lot of people with body image issues and, you know, it's tough and you know, we see beautiful women in front of us, but you know, they have dysmorphia or your know, mom will make a comment like, Oh, do you think you look good in that dress? It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe they went there. So brides are great. Um, but we have to make sure that we kind of work through their relationships with, the people they bring with them and, and keep their best interests at heart. <laughs> that sounds like you also uh, have a degree in uh, relationship counseling. Uh, oh my gosh. I at one point, I'm like, I need to go for psychology just to have a good background yeah. and be able to <laughs> get some sessions in, in between dresses. <laughs> awesome. 
All right. Well, we're going to wrap up soon. But before we do, I want to ask you about Toastmasters. That's where you and I first met. And um, for those who don't know, Toastmasters is all about public speaking. So what uh, sort of instigated your reason to join and how much value have you gotten from it? So one of the reasons that I did join was because one of my coworkers does, you know, she's in our group and she's like, you know what? I think you'd really benefit from this. I love public speaking. So coming out of a shell isn't something I've needed to do. That's, that's, that came long time ago um, with getting into the shop. I was at one time a very meek person. I hated answering the phone, very quiet. And obviously a lot has changed since then. Um, But it, it gives me great pleasure to give back to community, give back to other bridal shop owners, because I was a young, naive person. I had a lot of learning to do, um, even growing up in the business and becoming someone that is a professional in our um, local area. I always want to give back. So I've done uh, wedding planning. I co-hosted a wedding planning TV show for a while. I have spoken at many conferences. There's a lot of different bridal organizations. So I would travel and I've gone to Tampa, Atlanta, um, Myrtle Beach. I've spoken at a lot of places and I definitely feel like I can up my presence and joining Toastmasters has definitely opened my eyes to all the different parts and pieces that go on. And as you know, the uh, counter is definitely something that I focus on the most because I use filler words a lot. And I think I've gotten a lot better at it. There's definitely a long way to go. And it's something that's always in the back of my head now. So I will, especially now, all of the conferences are on Zoom. And I feel like I just, because it's so accessible now, now I feel like I'm doing so much more training than I have before. So every week I'm on a Zoom call uh, with this person and then another one of this person. And I'm really hyper-focused on how people speak and how they move and react. And I've always wanted to up my presence. Having kids definitely, you know, was a little bit more difficult. I had the mom brain fog for a really long time. It's like, okay, this is, this is me getting back into practice. This is me learning to speak again and have cohesive, flow to my speeches and make sure there's beginnings and ends and purpose. And it's just, it's so important to the people I talk to, you know, it's, they're the ones that will get the benefit out of it. So I want to make sure when I speak, it's worth listening to because everyone's time is extremely valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And how about this? When people, people listening, I might say, well, you know, that all sounds great, but I am terrified to give a speech. I'm afraid Uh, we all go through that. What have you found that that works for you in terms of calming yourself, dealing with the butterflies, getting over that fear? Do you have any recommendations for that? Yeah, I think deep breaths definitely helps. Even though I do love speaking in front of people, I don't have a fear of it. There is always anxiety. There always is before you go. So you do get those, those butterflies. I try and make sure that I down a glass of water before I do anything because your mouth can get dry and easy. But that's, that's another reason why Toastmasters is so great to help get over that fear because you see these people, you know, ours right now is twice a week or I'm sorry, twice a month, every other week. And, you know, we, we 
gotten used to each other and we've gotten to be friends. And so now I'm not afraid of speaking in front of you guys. So it's a great way to practice things that I want to talk about in front of other people. And everyone is so kind and the feedback is so great. I, you know, I was afraid to uh, give feedback for a long time because I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone has such great suggestions that I never would have thought of. I, you know, um, so it was intimidating for a little bit, but once you finally, you find your space and you get comfortable and, you know, you hear things and you know what to look for, it helps when I speak, it helps when I help evaluate and it's just all around, it's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think for most people, it's just the fear of judgment from others. People say, oh, they don't like my speech. They don't like me. I'm going to mess up. And uh, as you just mentioned through Toastmasters, the feedback is great. And if you mess up, so what, you know, life goes on and people probably won't even yeah. know it anyway. So uh, that's the way I feel about it. So, all right. Uh, well, Beth, we are just about out of time. It goes quickly, but maybe you could tell our audience, at least for maybe those brides that are out there listening, where they can find you, the bridal chateau and uh, anything else you wanted to leave us with. All right, perfect. So you can connect with us on social media. We do a lot on Facebook and Instagram and where at Bridal Chateau. Uh, we've been in business for 44 years, so we, we pop right up there. We've been around a long time, and um, we do have a website, bridalchateauinc.com, where that has a ton of information. You can book appointments from any of our social platforms, and we are located in the heart of Williamsville, right by ECC North, so they know where to find us. Very easy. We're between three of the throughways. We're right by the 33, the 90, and the 290, so very easy to get to us. And I definitely, um, I wanted to impart with one of my favorite quotes from Yves Saint Laurent, and they said, over the years, I have learned that what is important in a dress is the woman wearing it, and I think that's so important. Um, for people to know that they they are what's most important and if something looks beautiful it's because of them yeah great well that's a great way to end today beth thank you for being on the show we'll post this on itunes podbean social media and uh give uh, beth a follow and myself and uh, thank you for being here beth we'll do it again sometime thank you so much for having me adam okay great take care bye-bye you too bye-bye <laughs>